Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week, as we begin the season after Pentecost, we're looking at the story of Elijah in the cave and asking ourselves, how do we sustain faith when the going gets tough? reading from 1 Kings. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank, and then he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks and pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. The Word of the Lord. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, oh. 
Please be seated. A number of years ago, when I was still in the Navy, I went to training to be a rescue swimmer. I didn't actually become a rescue swimmer, just so we're clear here. <laughs> but I went to training to be a rescue swimmer. And, and one of the things we learned, if any of you have ever trained to be a lifeguard, you've probably heard this, is that, that when people are starting to drown, right? It doesn't look like in the movies where they're like go over and wave their hands or whatever. But, but when people start to drown, they're, they're sort of overwhelmed by panic. So when the water is kind of washing over them and they're, they're taking it in, the biggest danger to the rescue swimmer is not actually the water, but the person being rescued. Because in their fear and in the chaos and, and in the being overwhelmed, they tend to lash out and try to, to grab on to the rescue swimmer and can actually cause both of you to drown. So you're trained to sort of either push them underwater or, you know, whack them on the side of the head. And let me tell you, it's really hard to punch someone while you're treading water. But anyway, I digress. But when people are overwhelmed, right, fear takes over and they react in, in unexpected and sometimes chaotic ways that are in fact making their situation more dangerous. Because the truth is, is that if you're in the water and you're, you're struggling, your best bet is not to, to frantically try to, to move yourself to get out of the water, but to relax your body. Because all of us know that if you, you ever learn to like float in the pool, it's a lot easier to float when you're just relaxing than when you're moving frantically all your bits and pieces. And so it seems counterintuitive that when we're in great danger, the best thing that we can do is to just let it go and relax. And so I want to go back to the story of Elijah because I, I think my illustration kind of speaks to the situation that Elijah is in. And in case you, you may not remember exactly who Elijah is, Elijah is the greatest of all the prophets. He's in the whole list of prophets, Elijah is number one. He was such a great prophet, in fact, that he was taken up in a, in a fiery chariot to heaven instead of dying. He was that great a prophet, according to the stories. And so the situation that Elijah finds himself in in this story is that he is the greatest of all prophets. Unfortunately, he happens to be living at a time when the kingdom of Israel is denying the power of the God that created and invited them into covenant. Led by the wife of the king Jezebel, we've all heard that name, Jezebel is leading the nation of Israel away from God to take up instead the worship of Baal. Sort of a, a local rival, I guess you would say. A false god. And so Elijah, just before this point in the story, had challenged the prophets and the priests of Baal. And in typical sort of Old, fa Old Testament fashion, there's lots of sort of blood and death. And all the prophets of the Baal are killed. And so Jezebel, at the beginning of this reading, says to Elijah, let it be to me, let what happened to my priest happen to me, which is death, if I don't have you killed, Elijah. And so Elijah, who has challenged the 450 priests of the Baal and come out on top, Elijah, the beloved and greatest prophet of Israel, Elijah, who is preeminent in his faith, 
runs away. This is the last straw. It's too much. He's overwhelmed. He's like that drowning person in the water and he's, it's just too much and he just reaches out with frantic activity and he runs away and he hides in a cave. And I think we can probably all appreciate this, that sometimes when we, we feel overwhelmed by the troubles of the world and the, and the difficulties that come our way, we all just want to run away and hide in a cave. Just get away from it all. But in the cave, God comes to Elijah, the great prophet, and says, What are you doing in a cave, Elijah? And Elijah pours out his woes. Oh, I am the last one. They've killed all the other prophets. And I'm afraid for my life. And so there's a great wind, a great storm. But it says God isn't in the storm. And there's an earthquake that shakes the mountain in the cave where Elijah is hiding. But it says God isn't in the earthquake. And then there's a fire, I assume, from the lightning, from the storm, from the trees that have been toppled by the earthquake that comes up a wild storm of fire. But it says God isn't in the fire. And after the wind and after the earthquake and after the fire... There is a silence, and it's in the silence that Elijah encounters God. And so for us as Christian people, when we look at this story of Elijah, the greatest prophet ever, and we see that sometimes the world overwhelms the faith of even the greatest of saints, that sometimes it feels like the world is just too much and we just want to run away and, and hide ourselves and just, just, we can't take it anymore. But as Christian people, we have been given this great gift called faith. And, and our faith is the place where we are meant to encounter God, just as Elijah did in the silence. But you know, the thing is, is that it's pretty easy to get overwhelmed. And, and I think as Christian people, if we don't have a faith that is resilient, it can just become too much and we, we feel like we're just being pulled under the waves. And so I think to, to build a resilient faith, that though faith is a gift of God, it's something that we have to sort of cultivate in the same way that though, you know, flowers are a gift of God or vegetables are a gift of God, that we have to sort of dig in the earth and take care of them and, and make sure that they grow and become strong plants. That we too, in order to become people resilient in faith, need to sort of nurture and grow our own faith practices. Right? And, and this is kind of, I know it's probably getting old by now, but this is a theme I keep returning back to, that, that faith is not just an intellectual acknowledgement of who God is, or it's not even just merely believing God to be who God claims to be, and Jesus to be who Jesus claims to be. Because even the demons acknowledge who Jesus is, but that doesn't mean that they put their trust in him. That, that faith practices 
are vital importance to us. And the, and the six that I keep going back to are worship, where we gather together to take heart from one another and to share our concerns and to be held accountable to one another. And prayer, where we speak with and, and hear God. And service, service to others, service to our community, building the kingdom of God. And study, learning the story of God so that we when we understand how God has responded to the troubles of the world in the past, we become much better at seeing God at work in the here and now. And in fact, study is so important that because, because it helps us to see that God isn't absent, but very present. And of course, um, Sabbath. Because if we want to encounter God in the silence, we need to find ourselves some silence. And so Sabbath is an important practice because it allows us to set aside the distractions of the world and to reconnect, reconnect with the creation, reconnect with God, reconnect with one another. Sabbath is an invitation to set aside what, what withdraws us into ourselves and to bring ourselves back out and reconnect with the world in which we are a part in a meaningful and important way. And of course, generosity, cultivating a generosity of spirit. And because sometimes when the world is overwhelming us and the chaos is too much and our, our inclination is to react with, with frenetic energy, pushing and pulling against whatever is happening to us, the best thing we could do is to retreat into those practices that we have cultivated in our lives. Because if we have made them a part of our lives, if we have become habituated to these practices of worship and prayer and service and study and Sabbath and generosity, then, then they can hold us up. They can keep us going in the face of great adversity. When, when the trials overwhelm us, the power of our habits of faith can get us through until we come to the place where we are strong enough to stand against whatever the world is bringing to us. That, that faith is not something that we think, but it's, it's a way that we order and live our lives. It's in the, in the choices that we make. It's in the habits that we form. And, and when we build lives of practice, when our faith is how we actually move through the world, it makes us so much more resilient. And it's this deep reservoir of strength when we feel like we have no strength left in us to face whatever is happening out there. And because there's a lot of bad stuff that happens in our lives. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world. And it can feel overwhelming. I know I feel overwhelmed sometimes. But when I feel dry or empty or afraid, I know I can rely on these, these practices to get me through even when I'm not maybe even really feeling it in my heart. That by continuing in the life of faith, I know and trust because it's always happened that I will once again re-encounter God and God's love. And that love is what sets us free from the darkness of the world and allows us to be renewed and refreshed and strengthened 
to become the builders of the kingdom of God. Amen.